Yeah, I mean, if anybody is out there listening that has, like, these kinds of harder challenges, physical or medical challenges, like, you know, don't give up and don't let somebody else tell you what your life is going to be like. You find what you want in your life, and there's going to be somebody that can help you achieve it. You just have to find them. Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Hi, this is PJ Ewing. Thanks for listening to Knee Radio 1 and the Bee's Knees podcast. I'm glad you're here. This story is going to make you really mad And then it's going to make you really glad, really happy, because it ends well. But the things that our Sarah had to go through for 20 years before she got it right, um, it's it's quite incredible. Lots of misguided advice, uh, arrogant surgeons, people that are just getting in the way of her recovery before she finally finds a great surgeon, Dr. Robert Ference of DMC in Michigan and gets this thing solved. It was like the skies parted and Dr. Ferentz shows up with wings on and solves the problem that had been dogging Sarah for 20 years. So it's a great story. I got really upset listening to it, though. I have to tell you along the way because there are all kinds of opportunities for people to step in and do the right thing, and they didn't, and it caused Sarah to have all kinds of pain and anguish and, at a very young age, think that she was never going to get her proper mobility back. And she's a nurse and she works 13-hour days, and she's an active lady and has a husband who likes to hike, and all kinds of bad things were going to happen if Sarah couldn't get her mobility back, and indeed everyone was telling her that she wasn't. The suggestion in the middle of this interview by a very important surgeon, hey, maybe you'll just have to live on crutches for the rest of your life, makes my blood boil. So <laughs> let us let me calm down. Let's listen to Mary Elliott interview Sarah uh, about her incredible journey. And then again, remember, in the end, it, it does go okay, and she does get out of this mess. Uh, let's take a listen. Hello, everyone. This is Mary Elliott. I am your Bees Knees podcast. I am about to start an interview with a wonderful human being. Her name is Sarah, and she has had a long and complicated journey, and I'll let her share it with you. You'll want to listen to this because her story is quite inspiring. Hi, Sarah. Tell us a little bit about you and and where you began your journey with your knee. Um, Sure. So my name is Sarah. I'm a labor and delivery nurse, and I'm also in school to become a doctor of nursing practice um, in two different specialties, one in women's health and one in um, midwifery. So give us some history, like what what, okay. what happened? So I was a pre-Olympic career. I was um, kind of high up there in the ranks for running. I had been running in, um, my whole life. My dad was a runner before me. He ran at Michigan State. Um, and so he started me running when I was like four years old. Basically, I started toddling after him at the track. Um, and he, of course, indulged in me. Obviously, never kept up with my six foot five father, but um, he so indulged adorable. in my like, <laughs> desire to like toddle after him. So he would like kind of shuffle next to me and like encourage me to do a whole lap or whatever. So I ran my whole life. When I was 18, I had a, a minor fall. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I just got some adhesions underneath my patella, um, my kneecap. And so the surgeon, the first surgeon I saw decided to scope it out to give me back on the track 
faster. And what he did was he put the needle of the machine through my patellar tendon, which is the major tendon that um, connects your tibia to your femur and what allows you to like bend and straighten your leg without difficulty. He didn't tell me that this had happened. So it created a surgical dimple which is basically like a run in your pantyhose. So once you get a run in your pantyhose, as all women know, it keeps going until the pantyhose are unusable. There's no way to, like, stop it. So that's what kept shredding in the middle until there was basically nothing left of it. And I didn't know this was happening, so I kept trying to run, kept trying to run. I couldn't really, obviously, do it. I finally made to the surgeon after I had a fall down the stairs because my knee kept giving out. Um, and he said, no how you're walking around, you don't have a patellar tendon. Um, once it ruptures all the way, they don't know how to make the nerve response work from side to lower leg. So they did an MRI and they found out that I had four millimeters left of my patellar tendon, which is obviously very, very tiny amount left that was still like conducting some nerve response through to my lower leg. Um, so obviously I had to stop running, stop walking. They were like really afraid it was going to break all the way. And once that happens, there's nothing they could do. So I had, I think, nine reconstructions to my patellar tendon, which failed, meaning they would, like, fix it and it would break. They would fix it and it would break. They would fix it and it would break. So then I went to a surgeon out at U of M who came up with an experimental way to do a graft onto my patellar tendon. And instead of trying to attach it all the way up to my femur, he I do attach it into the bottom of my kneecap, which would give me some ability to walk. So he did this crazy experimental surgery, and it worked. It held. And he was thinking it would last maybe 10 years. He wasn't sure because no one had ever really done it before. So finally I was able to walk. But the problem was I had fallen so many times. I had torn my ACL, my MCL. My LCL was stretched out. I had no cartilage left. I grew in this period because I stopped running so I grew more and so my patellar tendon was shortened and I basically after a couple years needed a knee replacement but nobody could figure out how to give me the knee replacement without touching the patellar tendon graft because that's the most that's more important even than a knee replacement because they don't want anything to happen to this graft that is holding but I had like no quality of life I couldn't go up or downstairs I couldn't go shopping I couldn't walk around it was bad so finally we uh, found a surgeon in St. Lewis, who thought he could do the surgery like from the side, which he did in 2014. And it, it seemed to work. It, it worked pretty well. It, it wasn't great, but it was a lot better than what my knee had been previous. So I kind of moved on with my life and it was really good for a couple of years. And then two years ago, out of nowhere, I went to get up out of my bed. I was sleeping. It wasn't like I was exercising or doing anything crazy. I just went to get up out of my bed and my leg popped out. Like, and I literally mean my whole lower leg, my tibia popped out to the side like you could see it. I, I couldn't move. I didn't know what to do. My husband basically, I was like, baby, you have to pull my leg back and I can't move. So he basically pulled on my leg until it kind of went back in place. Obviously, this freaked me out. So I went to a surgeon and he was like, well, I don't know what happened, but I don't think it's really your leg popping out. I think you're fine. It seems okay. I mean, yes, it's really, like, loose, but your x-rays look okay, you know, whatever. You're really young. I don't want to do anything. Just keep an eye on it. And I was like, oh, okay. So it kept 
popping out like that, like randomly. And I saw this particular surgeon like two more times and he kept telling me like, there's nothing he can do about it. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to deal with it. I got like a different brace for when I was at work because I'm a nurse and I work 13 hour days and I do labor and delivery and the OR. So I'm very, it's a very physically demanding job and it's a very important job with moms and babies. You don't, I didn't want it to be happening when I was at work. So one night, a couple months ago, it was in May, May of this year, I went to sit down on my couch. We had just eaten dinner, done the dishes. We were going to watch TV. I went to sit down on my couch and it popped out again, like so badly that I literally couldn't move or like talk. The pain was incredible. It like, you could actually fall like way out to the side wow. my leg. And I was like, babe, 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 you have to help me. He went to pop it back in like he had been doing and I passed out because that's how bad it was. Um, so he took me, he was like, we have to go to the ER. Like I was kind of in shock. I like, I couldn't make any decisions and I'm the medical person in our family. So he was like, what do I do? And I was like, I don't I couldn't talk to him. So he like picks me up. He puts me in the car. (laughs) He takes me to the ER and he decides because my graft was done at U of M that he was going to take me to U of M's ER because maybe that's where they're going to figure this out. So I go to the ER at U of M in the middle of COVID, so he can't come with me. And I'm in this ER bay, and I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm thinking, well, the other surgeon said nothing's really wrong. I'm just going to have to deal with it being like this. And I'm taking out these doctors' times in the middle of COVID, and they're really busy. The doctor comes in, and she, like, looks really kind of flustered. And at first, I think it's because she's so busy. And then she's trying to find my pedal pulses, which are the pulses in my foot she can't find them and so I start to get really nervous and she she's like okay um just hang on one second and she leaves and she comes back in with four more doctors and bringing a Doppler which is a way that you can find pulses it's like makes your pulses make a noise like a swishing noise and they can't find my pulses and the doctor is like I'm really glad you came in today and I was like well I was really embarrassed because I thought this wasn't really going to be a big deal and he said like this big some orthopedic surgeon was like no you're 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 our biggest emergency tonight like literally life and limb because you're we can't find your pulses which means you could lose your foot and I was like okay oh my gosh I've been doing this for two years I had no idea that I it was so what was happening was my tibia was coming out it was there's a big artery in the back of your knee called the popliteal artery it basically supplies the blood from your thigh to the rest of your leg. My tibia was like, when it was stepping out, was hitting on that and um, occluding the blood from getting down to the rest of my leg. So they were thinking about possibly like rushing me in for vascular surgery that night. But they finally like positioned my leg in a way that they got my pulses back. They were diminished, meaning they weren't as strong as my other foot, but they were there. So they put me in a mobilizer told me I can't take the immobilizer off. I have to be on crutches. I can't put any weight on this leg. And they're going to schedule me to see a surgeon like right away. Like it's an emergent situation. I have to see an orthopedic surgeon. They have to get this fixed because if it happens again, I could tear that artery out internally. I could, if it happens in the middle of the night and I don't know, I could like basically cut off all the nutrients to my foot and then have to like, I could lose my foot. It's like real serious which I didn't realize was, was happening for like two years. So I was really freaked out. So they sent me home that night and 
I'm waiting for a call from their surgery center to say I'm going to see. It's during the peak of COVID, so all their schedulers are working from home. It took like two weeks to get them to call me back. And then they schedule me an e-visit with some surgeon. And then the day of the e-visit, they call and say, no, we made a mistake. The surgeon doesn't want to do an e-visit with you. He wants to see you in person. He needs to see your knee. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought, but whatever. So they finally schedule and it's another two weeks out. And here I am in an immobilizer. I'm not allowed to take it off even when I sleep or anything. I'm not allowed to do anything. (laughs) Waiting to see this surgeon because I could lose my foot. We finally get in to see this surgeon, this big time surgeon, um, who's going to finally fix this problem for me. And he, first of all, I see the resident first, which is fine. I work with residents all the time, I understand. But usually residents don't see like, hard cases first, like the doctor is, like the actual doctor is it. I'm talking to this resident and she stops me and says, I'm sorry, I don't really know what to do. I'm just going to go get the surgeon. And I was like, yeah, okay. So the surgeon comes in. He seems like he's really busy, like he doesn't have time. He's kind of pulling and pushing on my knee and he's like, yeah, it's really loose, but there's nothing I think I can do about that at your age. I wouldn't do a surgery. Uh, I can't believe someone already gave you a knee replacement to start with about it and he's like I'm not I'm not going to do surgery on you and I was like well I was just and they said that I was losing my pedal pulses and he was like I don't believe that's happening and I was like but it it is it's in the report and I was there like I heard the Dopplers like I'm a nurse I know what that means and he's like no sorry he's like I can tell from your x-ray that your your basement is like crooked basically it was it was put in crooked a little bit by the first surgeon. He was like, but I'm not going to fix that either. He's like, okay, well, um, what about my patellar tendon graft? Like, is it still okay if my tibia keeps coming out and it's pulling on the graft? Is, is my graft going to break? Is my graft broken? What's happening? And he was like, eh, I do sports medicine. And he basically, like, walked out of the room. And I was oh like, okay, yeah. I don't know what to do now. I'm, like, I'm like really upset. I was crying. I haven't been working this whole time because I can't work on chess, you know, um, so I was really, really upset. I had no idea what to do, and I was really disheartened because this is the second orthopedic surgeon from two different hospital systems I've seen that just said, I'm young, and they don't, I'm just going to have to live like this. But his, my PCP, my primary care doctor, didn't like that answer either, and she actually tried to call him, and his response was, well, she can just use crutches then. What's well, his oh, response yeah. to my primary care doctor? My primary care doctor was like, it's not it's not a good response. Like we can't, you're a young woman, you're healthy and active. Your, you know, your job precludes you being on crutches the rest of your life as well. Like this isn't a good answer. So she was trying to find someone else for me to see. And in the meantime, my husband's father said, why don't you go see my orthopedic surgeon? He's through the, um, the DMC. If he doesn't have an answer, maybe he'll, he'll at least listen to you. He's very kind. He'll at least listen to you and maybe help you find find someone that can help you and I was like fine whatever I have to do something Uh, okay at this point how many years are you into this how old are you then by 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 this point how many Um, years has this been going 39 and when did this start um when I was 37 37 okay well the whole thing started when I was when I was 18 19 but it had been a couple years that had gone okay I had Nine, sur- well, nine major surgeries right away within two years between the ages of 19 and 20. Then I had a break. I had my 
first knee replacement done when I was 29. I was, yeah, I was 29 when I had my first knee replacement. And it worked for a couple of years. And then now I'm, now I'm 39. So let me ask you this. Before you go into this next phase, where were you emotionally? How did you maintain your faith and your optimism and to keep going and to keep searching for an answer? I don't know. Like originally I was like really angry because I couldn't run anymore. I was slated to go to the Olympics and obviously that's never going to happen. I was angry for a couple of years, but then um, well, at first when they told me I wasn't going to walk again because when they couldn't get the surgeries to work, they were like, well, you're just never going to walk again normally. And I was like, I don't believe that at all. Yes, I will. Um, so I'm kind of just being stubborn. <laughs> to start right. with. I love that. <laughs> I, love I was that. just very stubborn, and like I wasn't going to let somebody tell me tell me that. So um, it kind of started there, and then honestly, after the um, graft replacement surgery that held, I was just really thankful and happy that I had kind of a normal life back. Like to be honest, for a lot of the, for a couple of those years, nobody would have even known that I was handicapped. Nobody. It would have known I was told I was never going to walk. People just thought I was a normal person until I decided to tell them otherwise, or they saw the big scar on my knee. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I just, I was just thankful. There are so many other things that can be so much worse in people's lives. And so I can't run, but I can walk. I can bike. I was allowed to dance. Still, so I could do ballet. I just have to be thankful that it wasn't worse. They didn't amputate that I can walk. You just, you have to remember that, you know, these are trials in your life, but it doesn't mean that you can't have a happy and successful life. I mean, you have to find the positive in what the situation is. And my situation was it could have been so much worse, you know, and it wasn't. So I was just <laughs> happy. Yeah. That is such a great attitude. Oh, my gosh. I, I Thank you for sharing that because I wanted to know where you were at and how you were processing all that. that. And I can yeah. see now very easily, and I'm sure everybody who's listening as to why you're, you're successful and happy and your energy is just, you're full, you're just very vivacious, full of energy. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. So where we are now was I had seen two surgeons that told me I was too young for surgery, even though I'd already had 11 surgeries major surgeries plus more than that in scopes. I don't count the orthoscopic surgeries as surgeries anymore. So if you count those, I think I've had like 26 or 27, but I don't. So we're saying 11 major surgeries at this point. We're on the car ride there to go see Dr. Farron. And I'm, I'm really depressed at this point. This is the first time in my life where I really think, you know, this is the way I'm going to be for the rest of my life. My husband and I are super active people. He was a runner in college as well. So, like, we first bonded over, like, taking walks in Kensington, you know, riding our bikes, places new. We disc golf together. Like, any anything I can physically do, we always do together. And it's, like, part of the pleasure of my life is doing these things. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how, you know, how are we going to live our life with me on crutches? Like, I was very, very depressed. I cried a little bit in the car right there. And my husband was the one that was like, well, you know, we're just going to go. We're just going to tell him your story. And, you know, you never know. Maybe if maybe he'll maybe he'll know someone that can help you. And I was like, okay, fine. I was like, I didn't believe it for one second. I was like, fine, we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to do this one more time. We're going to see, you know. 
but in my head, I was, I was finally, finally feeling super defeated after this whole time. Um, so we go to Dr. Ferenc's office, and his x-ray technician takes um, some series of x-rays in a kind of a different way than they've ever done before. She had me move my leg myself. Like normally, they, they position your leg in an x-ray in a very specific way, and they're the ones that are doing it. Um, she had me moving my leg myself, like straighten your leg for me, bend your leg for me, turn your toes out. Like I was doing it all myself so that they were actually x-raying the actual function of my leg as opposed to putting it in a very specific position and then taking an x-ray. It was kind of showing something like different. Wow. Um, so they take the x-rays, and we're waiting for Dr. Ferentz to come in. And... In walks Dr. Ferentz, and he is calm. He seems really unhurried, which is unusual for surgeons. And before he even sits down, before he does anything at all, he says, so your tibia is dislocating, huh? And I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I know. And he could see that from the x-ray, what was happening and why. He didn't even touch me yet. And he was like, look. And so he, he does like this counter pressure thing on my, on my leg where he's pushing one way on my thigh and another way on my lower leg. And he's like, see? And he's popping my tibia like in and out, in and out. And he's like, that's what it's doing. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's doing. And he was like, okay, so that's easily fixed. And I was like, what? <laughs> he, he was like, come on and let me show you your x-rays. And so he shows me the x-rays. And he's like, your the spacer that was originally put in is too, was too, he thinks, too thin because I'm an active person. It wasn't giving enough pressure in between the two metal pieces because I don't have a whole lot of other stuff in there that is working, and I don't have a real patellar tendon. It wasn't giving enough, like, space. So when I bend my leg, the lower half of my tibia is completely disconnected from the top half, of the prosthetic and it has like nowhere to go and he's like on top of that one side is further away than the other side the outside side of my prosthetic was like the gap in between the two pieces was really big and the gap on the other side was really small he's like so i can put in a bigger spacer and so when you bend your leg it'll stay connected it won't be like just out there in space and he was like on top of that i have something called varus nature to my thigh so my original prosthetic because they were trying to put it in from the side and not touch my patellar tendon graft they did put it in kind of sideways and he's like that does kind of need to be fixed when i go in and do surgery we'll we'll see if i we'll see what i can do and he's like on top of that your mcl and your lcl which are the two ligaments on the side of your legs are like super stretched out like they they aren't holding anything in there they've been torn and repaired and like whatever so many times that they're basically not doing anything they're not holding your knee together he's like so i can tighten those up and then your knee will be completely stable he was like it's not even it's super simple it'll take like an hour and i was like oh my gosh (laughs) what (laughs) so um he was like totally convinced he's like then your knee will be stable like a rock it won't happen anymore he's like you're too young to live like this and i was like i I started crying i was like oh my god (laughs) thank you and he was like i've seen this a million times (laughs) I was. I couldn't even believe it. And he was like, unbelievable. He was like, he, and so we scheduled the surgery for a week and a half later. We had the surgery. It went completely well. Um, It took like an hour, like he said. He did tell us that he considered completely replacing all of the metal when he was in there. 
um, because it was like kind of crooked and it was kind of starting to break down because I'm so active. Like normally people that get knee replacements are older people and they're not as athletic. I had my first one when I was 28 or 29. I can't remember years old and I'm still very athletic to the point that I can be um, with limitation. So he thought about it, but in order to do that, he would have had to put a metal rod all the way down my tibia in order to like straighten. And he thought I was too young for that since it, it was, it was stable. Um, and in about 15 years, he says, we'll go in and we'll do that later. He was like, but you've got 15, 20 years before we'll have to really do that. So, and literally the next day, you know how they get you up from surgery. I went to stand up for the first time and it felt so different. It, I didn't realize how unstable my leg had been for so long until I stood on his knee that he gave me and it was like so stable. It didn't wobble. It didn't, it just felt, it just felt like so different. And like the, the aesthetic appearance of my leg is so different. Like I didn't realize how crooked and weird it looked until I see my leg now. And it's like nice and straight and like pretty. And it looks like a knee, like before my graft kind of went to the right and my, my lower leg kind of went to the left and it did look like people used to like comment like, ooh, um, and now it just looks beautiful. It just looks like a normal knee that happens to have a scar on it. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Like it's absolutely amazing. I can't even believe it. The difference was instantaneous. So Dr. Ferentz was, he's amazing. He was amazing. He was so kind. He's always unhurried. He like took the time to come see me before surgery and like talk with me and pray with me and he took time after surgery to like call me and we talked for like a half an hour and it's just amazing. The whole thing has been absolutely amazing. And like the, the people he got us in contact with, with, with the X10, you guys, and like with, with everything has been, I've never had that kind of like care and service before. And I've had a lot of surgeries, so I kind of know how it goes and I've never had anybody care so much about how well my recovery goes. It's it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. I can't talk about it enough. It like completely changed the whole future of my life. So I I can't be more thankful. Well, my God, for you, honestly, you are one strong, inspiring woman. <laughs> for you to go through all that, see and see what happens when you keep believing. And I know you had a moment um, and I know many moments, I'm sure, but a moment on the way there when you were going to see him, like, oh man, I don't know if this is going to work. Why am I putting myself through this? Because I know I've experienced something very similar with systemic lupus, so I know where you're coming from. And you, you get to a point where, God, I, yes, I'm positive, and yes, I'm keeping my faith up, but man, I, you know, I don't know if I can handle this again, this disappointment. I, I don't know if I can handle yeah. this again. And then fear sets in, right? And I, when you were describing your story, I had a very similar one. So I know, I know exactly what you were feeling during those moments. And then to have, you know, a surgeon come in and, and you immediately, you know, he gives you reasons to have faith and shows you, wow, uh, maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be my one time here that I've actually found my solution. And that's exactly yep. what happened. So, right. So you, you, you had to have been over the moon, just happy oh, and filled yeah. with peace, right. And gratitude for sure. Okay. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's beautiful. <laughs> that's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So now, okay. So now you're in the recovery stage. So tell yeah. me where you're at emotionally, what you're experiencing, what you're wanting and what you're actually seeing happening for yourself 
Um, those are a lot of questions. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to tell you the truth. I had my, I, again, I had my knee replaced before and it was like a year long process. I was in the hospital for two weeks and then I was on a walker for three months and then I was on crutches and then a crutch and then a cane. It took like a really long time. They were very, very slow. This time, Dr. Ferentz is so assertive with the care that he gives and he knows that you can do it. So I'm already walking without a cane completely. I had surgery on July 6th. Yeah, eight weeks. This is week eight. I'm walking without a cane completely. I started outpatient physical therapy, I think, last week, two weeks ago. So they're pushing me harder and actually building muscle up more. I mean, I still have a lot of pain and a lot of, like, I still have to work really hard every day. But I'm willing to do that work because I'm seeing the results, like, I can bend it to like 120 degrees, which is more than I could bend it before surgery. I didn't even think I could bend it. I had been told that I couldn't bend it because my graft was short, my patellar tendon graft, and it can only go that far. That's not true at all. Dr. Ferentz can, um, when I'm unconscious, he can get my heel all the way up to my bum. So it is possible for me to bend it even further than this, which is amazing. I didn't even know I could do that. (laughs) That is fantastic. That is fantastic. I mean, it's just, it's taking a lot of work, but I have the things at home that I've been doing, and then I have, like, my new things um, with outpatient physical therapy that I'm doing. It's really, really cool. It's just, you know, you got to just keep trying, and in those moments when you're having pain or whatever, you just have to remind yourself, like, this is for a reason. Like, remember that you want to go for a walk at Kensington, and there are a lot of hills there, so you're going to have to be able to go down and up those hills before <laughs> that can happen. So let's, you know, let's do this. <laughs> So Kensington, I don't know where people are listening, but Kensington is like a state park here that I love to go to. It's pretty. Um, It's very pretty. (laughs) You were in the hospital. Now you go home. Now what are you doing? Okay, so um, Dr. Ferentz had all these things in place before I even got home. So I just spent overnight at the hospital. And the day after I came home from um, the hospital, they had the X10 people came and set up this machine in my house. So it like right away to like my body specifications. And it took them a while because I'm kind of like petite. <laughs> so it took them a little bit to like get it to like my, I'm petite with like really long legs. So it's like a weird combination. So they like have somebody come that sets it up to like fit your exact body. And so I started being able to like try to bend it at home like the day I got home, like the day after I got home from the hospital. And he had like, uh, Dr. Grant had like this specialized ice pack compression thing sent to my home so that I can like get really good um, cooling down after each session. And somebody called me every day, like a coach called me every day, at first more than once a day as I got kind of used to it and then like every day to like coach me through all of the physical therapy I had to do on my machine at home. So I didn't have to wait for at home physical therapists to come, which I did have. I had an at home PT come three times a week, but I could do it every day on my own and like have somebody help me, like talk me through and help me figure out my PT like every single day on my own. So I did that every single day up until like now. (laughs) And, And how do you feel that helped you? I had never had anything like this before. In the hospital, they have this thing that kind of moves your leg back and forth for you, but you don't have that at home, you know? Um, And it wasn't quite like this 
advanced. Um, so no, I never had anything like this before. It, it really changed the pace of my recovery. And I felt like I had more control over my recovery. For me, I can be very, very self-protective because I've, that area has been through so much trauma. So um, it's not even like something I consciously do, but my, my body itself is very, very protective and it like guards, especially when I feel like I'm not having control. Like if somebody tries to push my knee for me, I, I tend to, I clench up and I can't control that. Like I can constantly tell myself relax, but you know, your body has its own, own means of protecting itself besides your brain, you know? So I, I didn't have that happening. It was all me. It was all my body doing it. So I bent it so much further, so much faster and with a lot less pain and like anxiety than I'd ever had before. It was so much faster. Like within a month, I was bending it in like 90 degrees and now like 120 degrees, which I'd never done before. I've never gotten to 120. And that was all like at home on my own, not somebody like pushing me in like pain and like basically torture normally. And you do it because you have to. But this was all on me and I could do it how I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it, for as long as I wanted to do it. And still feel safe because you have that person, a, a physical therapist that you can talk to and text with and send pictures to and say, hey, is this right? Does this look right to you? So you have that, like, safety net with you while you do it. It was it was crazy. It was really crazy. I, I didn't even know, like, something like that existed. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, it changed you, everything. Yeah, right. You so deserved it. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> you can see how how this came to you. Sarah, because of your optimistic attitude, right? You were <laughs> searching for a solution, and not only did you get it within, you 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 got double blessed, if you ask me, from what from what you're yeah, explaining so. to me, right? Because you got the surgeon that you needed, right? You needed somebody with that kind of depth and wisdom and caring, and then you also got a new innovative approach to recover yeah. with, right? So really, yeah. right, you got the whole package. <laughs> and then with your was, yeah, continued, awesome. right, hard work and optimism, wow, look at you now, right? <laughs> You're soaring. Look at you now. It's quite beautiful, <laughs> very beautiful. <laughs> and by the time you got to outpatient, where were you functionally? Um, so by the time I got to outpatient, I was, like, pretty good functionally. I the first time I went to outpatient PT, I used my cane just for, like, safety, really, because, like, when I'm out places I'm unsure of, it just gives me a sense of, like, if I get, if I'm wobbly, like, if I'm wobbly, I have, like, support, but only the very first time. By the time I even got there, I was able to do the bike, and I was able to do, like, squats, which I haven't done a squat, and I can't even tell you. How exciting! How exciting! Um, Usually when I have started PT after a knee surgery, it's like, I'm going to try to lift my leg. I'm going to try to, you know, it's very, 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 very basic. And this time, by the time I got to outpatient therapy, I was doing more advanced stuff. So it's really cool because now I feel like I'm working out and I'm not just going to PT. So then I'm like super excited. Like, oh, I had a workout. Like I'm, you know, I'm getting in shape. Uh, it's really like, it's kind of like I'm going to the gym instead of just going to PT, you know, um, because functionally I was so much more advanced than I had been previously by the time I got to outpatient. So you have had an incredible, inspiring journey. And oh my goodness, Sarah, seriously, I, I am inspired just listening to you. So what's next? What's Sarah's life going to look like now uh, that things have changed so drastically and positively for you? 
Um, well, I get to go back to work at the end of the month. <laughs> Yay! I'm very, very excited about that. I really, really missed, I really, really missed working. I miss my colleagues and I miss helping moms and babies every day. Um, so that's really super exciting to me. And now that I'm physically capable, we have reintroduced family planning into our conversations. Oh, that's really exciting. exciting. Next year we can go on a camping trip. <laughs> oh, Next summer. Beautiful. Oh, so beautiful. that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm obviously I'm in my DNP doctor doctoral program. So in a couple of years I'll be Dr. Sarah, delivering all my own babies and helping oh, women um, pre and wonderful. post delivery. So I'm really excited about. That. <laughs> wow, it's everything good, looks right. <laughs> it looks shiny and bright in all areas. I am so incredibly happy for you, Sarah. Is there anything that you want to say that maybe I have I haven't asked you that you, you wish? Well, I wish I would have shared this with everyone. Anything that you um, can think of? Yeah, I mean, if anybody is out there listening that has like these kinds of harder challenges physical or medical challenges like you know don't give up and don't let somebody else tell you what your life is going to be like you find what you want in your life and there's going to be somebody that can help you achieve it you just have to find them and you know you can do it don't never let somebody else put limitations on your life the only one that can do that is you <laughs> um, I firmly believe that um, I know I said I had kind of some moments but all in all I, I always you've got to be the captain of your own boat basically and like there are going to be people that can help you like i found dr ferentz and i found the x10 people who got me to bend my knee without torture you got to just keep looking it's going to be there so i my main thing for people is like never ever give up or let somebody else tell you who you are you know who you are and, and you're the only one that can can change your life so i guess that's my big thing well, wow, very well said. <laughs> very well said. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Honestly, I wish you continued success, and I can easily see how shiny and bright your future is going to be for you. You just keep spreading that optimism and that faith, and wow, I'm sure every life that you encounter, you're going to touch in a very, very beautiful and empowering way. Thank you so much oh, for taking you. the time, honestly, to share your story with us so incredibly happy for you and I'm sure everybody listening is moved by what you've gone through thank you thank you thank you oh, thank you <laughs> the bees knees podcast comes to you from our studio in lower Manhattan New York City we're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery to reach us send an email to the bees knees podcast at gmail.com <laughs>